writes the Gospel of Luke and then the Book of Acts, uh, the be, sort of the beginnings of the church. Uh, and he sort of uh, talks about a similar episode uh, that I'll reference later. So uh, this is what Jesus says when he appears as to his disciples. The 11 disciples um, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And just for fun, you don't have to put it up. I'm going to read from the book of Acts too, because this is just to show you similar similarities here. So this is Acts chapter one. Uh, We're going to start in the middle of four if you follow along. You don't have to. This is what Jesus says. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Sounds a lot like, go, baptize all nations, right? So similar thoughts there. Right? Okay. So, if you want to be a really good football player, what are you to do? Practice, right? You practice. Like, there are countless numbers of drills and things that you can do to make yourself better at, at, at catching, at throwing, at blocking, at tackling, uh, at you know, playing defense offense. There are countless. You have to practice really hard. If you want to be a really good baseball player, what are you to do? Practice. You all catch on very quickly. Countless numbers of drills. If you want to be good at the fundamentals of baseball and be a really good baseball player or softball player, then there are lots of drills to make yourself better at throwing and catching and pitching and hitting and fielding and all that kind of stuff. If you want to be a really good basketball player, what are you to do? Practice. Countless numbers of drills to make you a better dribbler, a better passer, a better shooter, a better defender, all kinds of things. There's no doubt about it. If you want to get better at something, you have to practice. Like you have to get in the gym and you have to spend extra time in there, sometimes together with a team. And the more you do that inside the gym, practicing together, the better you get, right? Practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect whatever. So, got the idea. So, a couple of weeks ago, we started this new thing, this uh, three-week thing where we're going to answer some questions that the church has to get right. Three questions that if we don't get them right, uh, then things will go wrong. You know, could spell disaster. So, the first question we answered was, who are we? Who are we? In a broad sense, of the question, right? And we look to Paul for the answer. And he gives us sort of a a really good succinct answer in Romans chapter 12. Do we remember this? 
So who are we? We ought to be a community marked by oneness. There's this idea of oneness that we are brothers and sisters, that we are a family, and we ought to treat each other like a family. We ought to be a, a, a community marked by selflessness. We live in a world that teaches us to look out for ourselves, right? but we ought to be selfless. Uh, we ought to be a community marked by love, the same kind of love that Jesus showed us when he came from heaven, became one of us, showed us what it looks like to be a human being and showed us what God actually looks like, selfless love, right? So if we're going to become those things, if we're going to become who, the church, who God wants us to be, the church is called to be, what are we to do? We just talked about it. <laughs> we are, what are we to do? Practice. Right. We practice. Right? That's the second question. What are we to do? Now, our natural instincts tell us to do what? Tell us to do what good sports teams do, right? Get in the gym and practice hard with each other. We've got to try harder. We've got to get after it a little more. We have to gather together in the gym a little more often on Sundays and Wednesdays and maybe add some other kinds of things in there and sort of work our tails off at practicing those things. Our natural instincts tell us that we have to stay put, hunker down, meet again and again and again in this place, practice becoming one, practice unity, practice what it looks like to be selfless with one another. We get in the gym again and again and again, and we drill it in our heads that we ought to be a community marked by love, right? And so we practice these things. Let's get into the gym two, three, four, five times a week, and let's work hard at it. Let's practice, right? All of these things that we derive from our natural instincts are great. And we even do this too. We create more opportunities for us to get together with like Amazing Grace, which was amazing on Friday night. And we had a super good time doing it. It was a blast. And throughout that, we practice those things together, right? In this place. We do things like tacos and trivia. We do things like game night. We do things, we, we create these extra times for us to get together and practice these things because that's what our natural instincts tell us, that we have to get better at these things. So let's meet in here, let's hunker down, and let's get it right. Right? Practice. And then Jesus walks into the place while we're practicing and he disrupts our natural instincts. He just says, ah, <laughs> Pretty good. All that stuff is good, but I got something else for you, right? So he walks in and we read these words from Matthew. The last thing Jesus says before he ascends into heaven, seemingly out of sight, he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. <laughs> That's the first command in the last thing that he says to them. All authority in heaven and on earth, I'm in charge here. Therefore, go. 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 Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And oh, by the way, I'll be with you always forever. Go. The first action he says is go. 
go. You can't sit still. You can't stay the same. You cannot do this thing from behind the four walls of this great building that you now have had for two years. You cannot. You have to get up and you have to go. He says, go. What does he say? Go. Not practice. Not hunker down. He says, get out of here. Go. Now, wait a second, Jesus. <laughs> Let's be honest with him. Like, you've got this wrong. <laughs> Us telling Jesus he doesn't have it right. That's funny. Don't you think we need to stay in the gym and practice more? Right? I mean, look at us. We're, it's obvious we're a little spiritually flabby. We need some work. Don't you think we should stay in here, sit still, and work with each other and try to make ourselves better disciples before we do anything out there, before we go? We're not ready for that. Why don't you let us get this you know, being united thing, let's get that right first. Let's get this selfless thing right first. Let's get this loving each other right thing right first. And then we'll be able to go. And you want to know what Jesus says to that? No. No. Stay here. Sit still. Uh-uh. That's what your dentist tells you to do before he drills a hole in your tooth. Stay here. Sit still. Mm-mm. No, the first thing I want you to do is go. Go. The first word, the Great Commission, is go. What are we to do? Did you know that the Bible instructs us to go a little less than 200 times? And the Bible never instructs us to hide. Only about 13 times does the Bible tell us to stay. But the staying instruction is always to keep us near to Jesus. And the only times that we are told to stay is so that we can better be equipped to go. Are you with me? Right? In fact, sometimes the staying and going are part of the same, same instructions. Like in Luke's Jesus ascending into heaven story. He says, stay in Jerusalem just for two days or three days, just for a few days. Because in a few days, here comes the Spirit and then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth, which necessitates us going, right? So the first word of the Great Commission is there for go. Before you do anything else, Jesus says, go. Friends, you know what this means? It means that we only find out who we are and who we ought to be. We only become who God wants us to be, family, united, selfless, marked by love, Romans 12 kind of people. It means that we only become those things when we go. While we're on the way, when we're outwardly focused, when we're on a mission together, because Jesus is loose in the world, putting things back together again, making things right again, and he wants us there with him. And we only find out and only become who we ought to be while we're out there with Jesus, putting things back together again. Okay, here's a little anthropology for you. 
When the anthropologist Victor Turner was alive, he talked about how in some African tribes, the younger boys were kept secluded and kept in the women's compound until they were about 13 years old, right? At just the right time, the men would sneak into the female compound and kidnap the boys, the 13-year-old boys. They're blindfolded, they're roughed up a little bit, and then they're herded out of the village into the African bush. 13 years old. They're then circumcised and then left to fend for themselves and figure out how they're going to survive all alone in the African bush for like six months. 13-year-old boys. Once a month, the elders will go out to the group of 13-year-old boys in order to mentor them. But on the whole, they have to find out, they have to figure out a way. They have to find both the inner and the outer resources to sort of figure out how are they going to cope with this ordeal all by themselves. And during this ordeal, the boys move from being disoriented, individualistic, and they are driven together to find each other through a common experience of humbling, of transition, of marginalization, of danger. He, they find themselves what he calls communitas or true community. They move together out there while they're experiencing intense danger and they grow to love each other and they form this bond that otherwise would never have been forged, right? So it involves this intense feeling of social togetherness and belonging because they have to rely on each other just to survive. Are you with me? We, we see this in human beings all the time. What happened after 9-11? What did that do to our nation? Like there was something about that that just galvanized everybody. It didn't matter if you were a Republican or a Democrat or an you know, independent somewhere in between. Like we were on the same team. What happens whenever a natural disaster happens, right? You remember Hurricane Katrina? Remember what happened? Was it Sandy in New Jersey? What, I forget the name of the one in Puerto Rico. What happens when a natural disaster like a hurricane happens? It galvanizes people. It brings us together. And we're still sending teams of people down to Puerto Rico to help them figure things out and put things back together again. When we experience these things, this, these, these times of danger, these times of of, of uh, lim- these, what, what anthropologists call liminal experiences when we're out there and, oh, we have to figure out how to survive. It brings people together and it makes them stronger, right? So if we're going to become a community marked by oneness, marked by selflessness, marked by love, what are we to do? Just sit in here and practice? One word, go. One word. A few more words. The only way we become the kind of community that Paul wants us to be, the kind of community he describes in Romans chapter 12, is if we're outwardly focused, if we're on a mission, right? The only way we, the only way we become that kind of people is if mission, mission is our organizing principle. That's it. That's why we have a mission statement, right? What does our mission statement say? Does anybody know? Following Jesus to renew lives that renew the world. We can't have a huddle and cuddle, kumbaya kind of community. 
We can't, we can't do it. That cannot be our mentality up in this place. God wants us to go first. And in our going, we become more like family, more selfless, more loving. Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola. Back in the 1500s, he, um, he founded the Jesuit community. He lived with a motto. And his motto was this, live with one foot raised. Oh, come on. Live with one foot raised so that at a moment's notice, you're ready to go. When an opportunity to serve presents itself and you're living with one foot raised, I'm in, I'm going. Live with one foot raised. What would it look like if we became a community full of people who all lived with one foot raised? That would mean whenever we have an opportunity to serve, whenever there's an opportunity presented for us to go, to do something, if we all have one foot raised, I'm in. So when Labor Day comes around again and we say, you know what, we're going to go over to Walmart and we're going to get some groceries and we're going to restock and refill Micah's food pantry. If we're all living with one foot raised, we're all like, I am not missing that opportunity. No way. When the out team comes with us with an opportunity to provide some special gifts to the women who are at the Access Women's Shelter. If we're all living with one foot raised, we go, I am not missing out on that opportunity. Over the next year, when the out team, the mission team comes to us with ideas for service in the world, for giving ourselves away, for, for spending a good portion of our budget towards helping people out there who need it the most, no matter how kooky or weird we think their idea is, if we're living with one foot raised, we're all going to be like, I'm not missing that opportunity. I'm in. I'm going. Live with one foot raised. Come on. That's a beautiful motto. Right? So good. Where am I at? I lost myself. And this isn't just an anthropological thing either, right? Like we see this, we've experienced this, we see this happen. This is also all over scriptures. It's all over the scriptures. There's countless numbers, countless number of examples of this kind of thing. People galvanizing together, becoming unified and becoming selfless and becoming more loving because they're experiencing this mission together, doing something really important. It's danger, it's movement. There's more experience. There's more things in here, opportunities. The, just think about Abram's story. Abram and Sarai, remember them? Back in Genesis chapter 12, right? They, God came and the first word that God said to him was what? Leave, go. You don't even know where I'm going to send you. Just go. I'll show you once you go. Go. So Abram and Sarai went. And it was only along the way that they found out who they were supposed to be. And it's only along the way while they were going that they were actually transformed into the people that God wanted them to be. Signified by their name change. Abram becomes 
Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. They're actually changed and transformed into the kind of people that God wanted them to be. The people of Israel figured out who they were supposed to be and who God wanted them to be when they were where? Out there on the wandering around the wilderness. Read Hebrews chapter 11. It's like, these are the heroes of our faith. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, all those examples of people of great faith are people who are always on the move, who are always on a mission, who are always outwardly focused. Don't believe me. Go read it. Check it out. What about Jesus? Well, if you are familiar with these books about him at all in the Bible, dude's always on the move, always on the go. And he gathered a group of people around him and they followed him. We even talk about it. We follow Jesus because he's always on the move, always on the go, always putting them in position to love, to forgive, to heal, right? Always on the move. He always has them on a go, on a mission, all the time, because he knows it's the only way that they're actually going to be formed into the kind of people that God wants them to be unified, together, a family, selfless and loving. Right? So if we're going to be marked by those things, we've got to be on a mission. We've got to be out there giving ourselves away, giving our resources away. What are we to do? Be mission-oriented. It's how we strengthen our bond with each other. Some of you have experienced this. We, we experience this when we go shopping together in Walmart. It's like the, there's something about that. It's like we're all in this together, doing this together. And then we bring them back and it's so simple and it's not hard. And then we're over there and we're all bringing the stuff in. And then we get some volunteers who take that stuff and deliver it over to Micah. And it's one of those things where it's like, yes, it has a transforming, trans. It's a transformative experience. Now, here's the deal. We live in a really safe, middle-class, consumerist community. And all of those things have the capability of sort of holding us captive, lulling us to sleep, rendering us ineffective. Because the thing that we want most is what? We just want comfort. That's what we want. What are we to do? Jesus says, get out of here. Go. Experience adventure together. Experience movement. Experience danger together. And along the way, that's when you're formed into the kind of community that God wants us to be, right? We make each other better followers of Jesus while we're out there actually following Jesus. Along the way, we experience togetherness. Along the way, we experience selflessness. Along the way, we experience love. The only way we find out who God wants us to be and be transformed into those people is if we're inspired by a vision of a better world, right? We pray it in the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? The only way we become transformed into who God wants us to be is by being inspired by a vision of a better world and then actually going out there and doing something about it. We don't need more practice in the gym. We don't need more practice in the gym. We all are more than capable. We together, we are more than capable. What we need to do is to get out on the actual field and get some actual game time experience. But what are we to do? Go. Give ourselves away. Like, 
We got a significant portion of our budget earmarked for making a difference out there. <laughs> Let's use it up. And then some. What are we to do? Jesus says, go, go. Can't get this one wrong. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for all the ways that you uh, speak to us. And, and here's the deal, God. We, we love comfort and safety and security. We love it because it feels good. Um, we grasp on and hold on to what we have because it's hard to let it go. Um, and you've instructed us to go, to go out there together in a world that might be dangerous, where we sort of risk some things together. But when we risk things together, when we experience serving the world and people who need it together, that's the kind of thing, God, that we know transforms us. It's, it, it changes us. It brings us more together. It makes us selfless. It makes us loving. And those are the kinds of things you desire for us. So help us, God. Help us to create and innovate new ways to follow you out there in the world, to actually give our lives away, give our resources away so that the world can become more like you want it to be, so that we can bring about healing in the world. Inspire us, push us, kick us in the behind if you have to. Help us go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.